Hey now, and happy holidays. We are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here on a special Friday night episode to lead you through these hard times. With a special WWE edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, getting over is back once again, and we are here to break down everything that happened Friday night on SmackDown, the final WWE main roster show of 2023. The next week will be best of episodes of Raw and SmackDown on Tuesday and Friday, respectively. So the Silver King, Adam Silverstein and vintage Chris Vanini, we decided to convene and bring you this special edition. So you had audio on your entire holiday break for your ear holes. We're all about filling that gap with this performance-enhancing sound. We're not going to beat around the bush. We got a couple reminders to hit you with before we get into today's show. First, allow me to remind you that the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast is all about Defy. So please, folks, especially during this holiday season, stop being marks for yourselves and Go back to being a mark for me. Go back to being marks for the Silver King Vintage and getting over. Please visit Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave some five-star ratings on Apple. Take a little extra time. Leave a five-star written review. If you do, we will read it live right here on the show. And I should also mention, if you are leaving five-star written reviews and you're in a country other than the United States, I will not see them on my Apple Podcast uh, application. So you need to let me know via email, gettingoverpod at gmail.com, or you can tweet us or DM us at gettingovercast, and I will go to your country's page, find your review, and read it here on the show. Just wanted to mention that because that's happened numerous times where people have wondered, like, I left the review. Why didn't you read it? That potentially is the reason why we do have an international audience. It's great to hear from some of you, but I do have to go out and search for it. So please, if that applies to you, let me know. We will read it live right here on the show. I already mentioned our Twitter account at Getting Overcast. You're going to want to hit that up, not only to tweet and DM the show, but for episode drops, news, analysis, highlights, all of that good stuff. We do have the 2023 Getting Over Awards, aka the Medias. Those are coming up, and we are listing all the nominees right now at Getting Overcast on Twitter, and you guys have the opportunity to nominate people, matches, moments, whatever the case might be yourself. So be sure to reply to any of those tweets, give us your nominees, and we will consider adding them. And of course, a ballot will be out next week so you can vote in the 2023 Getting Over Awards, a.k.a. Los Medes. <laughs> also, folks, please remember, I happen to love the number... Five. And I hope you do as well, because for $5 a month or 50 for the entire year, you can become an official getting overhead. Just visit buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. Sign up. You get exclusive news posts. We just posted one earlier today on Friday. Bonus audio. We skipped that, of course, because we're doing this almost instant reaction style to SmackDown. And you get a lot more bonus content. Plus, you get to interact directly with the Silver King and Vintage. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash getting over over. And lastly, I promise this is the last one on the way into this show. The Getting Over Wrestling Podcast has been nominated as Best Wrestling Podcast in the 2023 Sports Podcast Awards. 
The link to vote is available on our Twitter feed. Please go ahead, click it, vote for Getting Over. It is a complete fan vote award, and it would mean so much if we actually go ahead and win that. So again, Sports Podcast Awards, you can Google it, or you can find the link directly in our Twitter account feed at getting overcast. Go ahead, Chris. Let me let me jump in on that real quick. We did hear we did hear from some people who had trouble voting. I went in and had trouble voting because when you click on it, like it has like a survey and it's like too long. It stretches longer than the screen. So you can't scroll down to go right. vote. What you do is zoom out of your browser if you have an Apple. Well let me interrupt you because they yeah. fixed it. So you don't have to do that. Good. Okay. Just go to the website. I, okay. You're fine. Yeah. Earlier in the week, I had an issue. Some yeah. of you guys had some issues. Sounds like it's fixed. So if you yeah. weren't able to before, you can do it now. It was a problem for all the reasons you said. People couldn't vote. I couldn't even vote for us. Um, so yeah, you had to zoom out. But no, they they tweeted us. They emailed me because uh, there were a lot of people that were tweeting at them like, yo, what the hell? Like They were trying to vote for us, which is great. I love the enthusiasm. But yes, they did have to fix it. And we should mention if Chris's audio sounds a little bit different, he happens to be where most wrestling podcasters usually are their mother's basement. That's where he is tonight. I'm back up here. We'll be here for about a week. So yes, I've, I've done the pod from here before. Uh, listeners may be familiar, but yes, back in the parents. Basement. Yeah, you are. Um, we have plenty of episodes coming up. I'll mention that briefly. We already had, of course, last week's WWE episode on Tuesday. It's in the podcast feed. Make sure you listen to it. We did our NXT and AEW show for the week. Also already in the feed. This is the third and final episode of the week. But next week, to wrap up 2023, we do have three more shows on Tuesday. Your 2023 year in review. It was a smash freaking hit. Last year, we thought 2022 was the craziest year in professional wrestling history. Well, 2023 sure as shit gave it a run for its money. Special episode coming on Tuesday. On Thursday, we will have your AEW World's End Ultimate Preview and the NXT Breakdown. And of course, on Saturday night, as soon as AEW World's End goes off the air, we will have an instant analysis. That will be our final episode of 2023. And we kick it off right away in 2024. The first episode, January 2nd, covering WWE Day 1. And then we'll go through, and at some point over that first week or the second week, we will have your 2023 Getting Over Awards, a.k.a. The Meaties. Now, Chris, I'm going to tell you something, man. I am a big uh, gift giver, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm great at it. There's not a lot of things that I'm going to actively praise myself, but I don't know anyone who gives better gifts than I do, just straight up, Okay. So Congrats. I put in, no, I know it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing that I'm, that I'm praising myself here, but there's a reason why I'm saying this. Uh, so I put in this massive order on Amazon and I have four baby cousins and I had all the perfect gifts set out for them. There's a little bit of delay here and there. A couple things, um, you know, didn't get delivered in time. They eventually came today and one thing was missing and it was a WWE ring. One of the toy rings that I was going to buy. Mm. Right. So I said, well, I'm screwed because I got this kid a couple action figures. He has no ring to play in, in them with. Plus, that's the entire point of the gift. It's, you know, it's just two action figures isn't that much. I wanted to give him more than that, right? So on my way home, I was at a brewery today. I went into Walmart on the Friday before Christmas. And let me just tell you this right now. No one should ever do that. You should not subject yourself to that at any point in your life. It is a horror film in there. I, I never, I don't want to step foot in Walmart again, period, after this experience, but I will never do it anywhere near. I, 
within two weeks of a holiday, I don't think I'll ever go back to a Walmart or maybe even a Target in my entire life. So my favorite Christmas movie, watch it every Christmas with the family, is Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Good. Going to toy stores on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve to try to find the Turbo Man. So I, I can imagine what your experience was like. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Jingle All the Way. Oh, that's number one. I just thought it was yes, when you watched it every year. One, without a doubt. What is your take on, because mine is straight up Die Hard. And I, I know people argue, what is your take on that being a Christmas movie? I mean, I think it's fine. I, I don't I don't watch it around Christmas time, but I can understand why people go with that. By the way, I do not recognize the WWE Studios sequels to Jingle All the Way, which are not at all relevant <laughs> to the first movie. I didn't realize they made sequels to Jingle All the Way. Yeah, it's got uh, the big show is in one of them, I think. And uh yeah. It's weird. That's funny. Yeah. I will tell you that movie. They just recently. No, I'm sorry. The big, no, the big shows in the first one. He's in the first one uh, and has a notable role in there. I it's Larry, the cable guy, Larry, the cable. Oh my God. And that's a WWE movie with him. Yes. Oh, it's that's brutal Uh, for me. You know, Die Hard is like the one I watch just because it is Christmas. And I also like that people get angry, you know, about saying that it's a Christmas movie, but I will tell you Christmas story is up there. No question. And there's a new movie that actually came out. And I'm not saying it's anywhere near a great. It's not top 10 or anything like that. But if you want like a more modern Christmas movie, there's a film called Violent Night that I think came out a year ago or maybe two years ago. Absolutely. You should watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, Super fun. It's like like mercenaries break into like this like compound and they take people hostage and like. Santa Claus happens to save everybody. It's just, it's just fun. It's comedy action. It's it's just a good good time. Fair enough. I've I've seen it on the on the streaming. I have not watched it. Also, a, a relatively newish movie to mention: Office Christmas Party. I don't know if you've seen that, but underrated. I, I've not heard of that one. No, good comedy film. Jason Bateman, Jennifer Aniston, uh, T.J. Something. I forgot the guy's name. He got in trouble for something recently, a couple of years oh, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but T.J. Miller. T.J. Miller. His name is. That's right. Yeah. My number two is uh, is uh, the Santa Claus with uh, Tim, Tim Allen. Allen. Great. Watch that every Christmas Eve. He actually went to the same high school as me. Um, but those are the two. Jingle all the way and the Santa Claus. Do those every year. Santa Claus is great. I think they made sequels. I did. I have not seen any of those sequels did. though. They did. They're not great. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. All right, that was the. Uh, Christmas time interlude here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. We don't do that a lot. And certainly I am not the king of Christmas, if you can't tell by my name, Adam Silverstein. <laughs> <laughs> but but I do have a good time at the holidays and I do actually celebrate Christmas because there's a portion of my family that does uh, Italian Christmas, which is fan freaking tastic, especially when oh, you yeah. get the Italian food and you get the, the fishes and all that. It's a good time. Trust me. So uh, I'm, I'm in the holiday spirit. It's also like 65 degrees in South Florida. So I have some decently cool air, even though that's nothing I'm sure with compared to what you're dealing with or what many other people are dealing with. But look, that was, like I said, the Christmas interlude. We had a lot of wrestling to talk about on today's show. We have the main event. We do have the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we have the last word. And we're going to get into all of that. But I'm afraid I've got some news. And we have some news to talk about in the world of WWE before we get into the week. Couple Items regarding contracts. Charlotte Flair has signed 
a contract extension with WWE, according to, I believe, Fightful and PW Insider. We were told uh, when I followed up about it, this was actually done a good bit ago before she even returned to TV this most recent time. So congrats to Charlotte. Obviously, she's off. She's going to be having surgery in January, tore her ACL, MCL, and meniscus, which is not uncommon for those three to be grouped together. Uh, But she'll be having surgery in January, which means that her return is, SummerSlam's not even looking likely. We're talking possibly Survivor Series uh, next year for Charlotte to come back on WWE uh, television. Bailey signed an extension with WWE, according to PW Insider. I was not able to confirm that, but I was able to hear that numerous women backstage in the locker room have been talking about it for a couple of weeks, and they are over the moon excited for her. And I did, Chris, post a picture on Twitter of uh, Thanos and the glove. I forget what it's called, but the, the Infinity Gauntlet. The infi- Thank you. you. You know that stuff better than I do. The Infinity Gauntlet. And the f- first two stones are filled in, right? We have Charlotte. We have <laughs> Bailey. Becky Lynch this week in an interview said she will retire in WWE. No shit, right? Um, I also, there was a report that Flair's contract is the richest for a woman in WWE history, which most likely means it's the richest for a woman in wrestling history. I have to assume Becky is going to get more than that, but that would be three stones. There's one left, and that is Mercedes Rondo, Mercedes Monet, Sasha Banks. And if WWE is locking up in succession, Charlotte, Bailey, and Becky, Man, I don't see any scenario in which Sasha is not back with WWE, maybe as soon as the Royal Rumble in January. I mean, maybe. I mean, she's gone this long without working with the three of them. But, you know, it's it's always hard to know what Mercedes Monet, Sasha Banks wants to do. I, I think, honestly, most notable of those three was Charlotte resigning because, mm-hmm. as we know, her father has signed a apparently multi-year deal with AEW. Her husband, Andrade, is over there as well. Mixed reports on his happiness over there, but mm-hmm. he is over there. So uh looks like you don't have to any no no more talk about Charlotte potentially going over there to be with them. So I, I think that was notable that uh that, that is now reported. Yeah, I would say that was she out of all of them, or at least those still signed to WWE, she was by far if you had to put odds on it, she would have been the most likely to leave, even though those odds still probably would have been like plus 1,000. You know what I mean? It still wouldn't have been likely for her to go, but more likely certainly than Becky and more likely than Bailey, unless she was going to do something with Mercedes, which it just never really seemed like that was going to be the case. And, you know, the four horsewomen are a WWE creation. I'm not saying that all of the women trained there or learned to wrestle there or whatever, but they all did become stars there. Let's be very clear about that. And I think the idea of them all potentially being on, let's say, five-year contracts. And and even for Mercedes, she's like six years younger, I think, than Charlotte Flair, right? But uh, I don't want to say all of them retiring together, but possibly going into the Hall of Fame as the four horsewomen and then individually for all their accomplishments. I think there's a huge attractiveness for WWE there. And again, I'm just going to be immensely surprised if Sasha's not back early 2024. I just, it is what I firmly believe at this point. And, you know, I don't have necessarily reporting to say that it's definitely going to happen, but every single indication seems like it's headed in that direction. So I just, you, 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 
you know what we'll have to do with the year review pod, which we did last year, I believe, is uh, some predictions for the next year. We should. In we'll, fact, we'll, we're going to have to go back and listen to will. our predictions at the end of that and discuss them at the beginning of that year in review show. Yes. So this so, can be one of those. This will probably be one of those topics. Absolutely. One other note regarding contracts and signings. Maddie Rinkowski, who is a former uh, NWA women's tag team champion, I believe, over there, but has held many other championships across multiple independent promotions. I believe she's only 28. Uh, she has signed with WWE and will be part of developmental, meaning most likely NXT sooner than later. Super talent. Watched a lot of her matches uh, after hearing about rumors of her joining WWE a few months ago. And ceiling is immensely high, so just congrats to her. And lastly, Chris, uh, WWE, uh, finally, at the end of SmackDown, as late as they possibly could, told us we're going to have a best of Raw on Monday, which we knew was coming. Uh, I don't think they said as much about SmackDown, so they probably won't tell us that until the end of Raw on Monday because they want to keep as many people possibly watching these shows on Monday and Friday as possible. But after an entire week off for WWE, they announced that they're going to be holding a New Year's knockout week in two weeks that starts next Monday with day one, that edition of Raw, Tuesday with New Year's Evil, the edition of NXT, and Friday with the New Year's Revolution edition of SmackDown. That was newly announced on Friday. There's also going to be bonus shows on Peacock, best of the year, and things like that. We discussed this on Tuesday, but I'm a huge fan of occasional themed TV shows. And I think this is super smart for them to do an entire themed week, give people reasons to watch Raw, which is, by the way, let's repeat, going to go against the college football playoff semifinals. So major competition for Raw, NXT on Tuesday, and of course, SmackDown on Friday. But this is actually the midway point almost between Survivor Series and Royal Rumble. And that's the exact type of situation where you want to do special shows. Both shows as of right now, Day One and New Year's Revolution, they're booked nicely. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But it's a decent amount of stuff to look forward to, given WWE is taking the entire next week off. So they're not taking the week off and then just saying, all right, come back next Monday. We'll have a show for you. I love the way they heavily are promoting those shows to make sure people realize, hey, we're taking time off, but we're going to be back with a bang in 2024. Yeah, and it's good that SmackDown will have its own type of day one show that is uh, booked pretty heavily with some major matches, just like day one with stuff that just happened on SmackDown, which we're about to talk about. We are indeed. Let's get into everything that happened Friday night on SmackDown. We're going to kick it off as we always do on these WWE episodes by sliding into the main event. This Real quick before we start, for a taped show in front of a bad crowd, I got to say, SmackDown in general largely exceeded my expectations tonight. Good show, but my God, <laughs> the, the piped in audio. Yeah, we knew it. We, we knew it was coming. Horrible. Yeah. And I don't mean cheering, booing at weird spots. I mean, they did the same mistake they always made in the Thunderdome mm -hmm. era, which was playing chattering noise while people are talking right and you and you can't it's like hard to hear the promos that are being made it's yeah. terrible that's not how it's normally like when they're when the wrestlers are talking the crowd is quiet because they are listening mm -hmm. I, they do this all the time 
I had to like turn the volume up on my TV. I was like struggling to hear AJ Styles. It was a mess. I don't know why they still do this. Still a really good show and all that. But this just was like throughout the show bothered me to no end. It, I wanted to get, get it, that off my No, chest. you're right. It was horrendous. It's that hairdryer noise in the background. Yeah. We're just like, let it be silent. And if you want to pipe in cheers and booze, then freaking pipe in cheers and booze. It's a taped show. We're not going to be able to stop you at this point. Like, it's fine. But you can get rid of the hairdryer. You can you can take that off and everyone's going to be yeah. much better off for it. So I, I do totally agree. Uh, AJ Styles opened SmackDown with a darker, more toned down and brooding version of his entrance. He said he doesn't blame Randy Orton and LA Knight wanting to attack and fight and beat Roman Reigns for the title. But he doesn't give a damn about either of them because he's the top priority right now. Knight interrupted saying really a bunch of nothing other than that Styles was added to his list. Styles said Knight stepped over his body to get his crown jewel match, hence the reason for last week's attack. Then Orton countered that he was out for 18 months and nothing would get in his way. Knight came back saying, look, the bloodline took out both of you. They didn't take out me, so I should have priority. So then Nick Aldis came in. He laid down the law saying, look, you three, you all have legitimate claims. We're going to do a number one contendership triple threat at New Year's Revolution. The winner gets Roman. This was a clunky ass segment. Like, let's not get it twisted. Knight was particularly disappointing because he had a live mic and said absolutely nothing of substance the first go around. When he got in the ring, it was a little bit better. We got the explanation we expected from Styles. We discussed earlier this week, but it was strange that Knight was just like happy to stand in the ring and talk rather than just straight up and lay him down with a haymaker or something like that. And the triple threat booking, it makes sense because it's going to be a big match for that special show two Fridays from now. But it just feels more likely that Bloodline interferes in a no contest, creating a fatal four-way, than it does us getting a winner. Because otherwise, the two losers are what? They're just going to get thrown into the Royal Rumble when really all of them should have an opportunity based on the storyline that they're telling us. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about that. But, but first, um, had to note... Randy Orton back to no pants uh, after <laughs> several weeks of being in his pants era. He's back to t-shirt with no pants like he used to always do. That is uh, noteworthy. Um, I, you know, the promo stuff between them, it was kind of clunky, but it is, you know, AJ's kind AJ's like a tweener role. They're all kind of tweeners, you know, they're, they're who, who get cheers from the crowd, but they kind of do their own thing. Not much was said, but I think the triple threat makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. and I'm actually kind of fired up about it. Like when I did, hadn't actually thought about it really when they announced it for two weeks from now, I was like, Oh man, like that's a big time match. The three biggest baby face names on SmackDown going against each other for the right to fight Roman. That makes sense. And they set it up well in a way that they all kind of feel like they should have some sort of case for it. So um, I don't, I don't know if, I mean, what would bloodline interference do? There's no DQ, you know, like you make it a no I'm contest. Sure. It would be a no contest if they just took him out, I guess. But I don't know. I, I like it has been feeling like Randy Orton versus Roman is the way to go. And then you can do L.A. Knight versus AJ Styles as its own match because they kind of yeah. have their own thing going. So I that's my prediction for which way it goes. Um, so do you think we get you're thinking we get Styles and Knight one on one at the Royal Rumble? Yes. Interesting. OK, well, we because can because this thing kind of started with the two of them last week. You know, AJ went after LA Knight and, you know. So it I, did, I but let me, but there's more. So there's more to talk about. Let's come back to this because yeah. I'll explain to you the reason why I don't think we're getting that. Because 
of what happened in the main event segment of the show. That's true, the best way I can true. put it. But let me just be clear in case like it got misconstrued what I was saying. I'm not saying that this is a bad match or doesn't make sense. I'm just saying it seems pretty obvious to me the way it's going to be booked. That that's that's all I'm saying here. So in the Bloodline locker room later, uh, Jimmy Uso was like throwing football terms around at Solo Sokoa when Reigns asked the name of the SmackDown general manager, the new one. Paul Heyman informed him that it's Aldis, but he wanted to educate him about Aldis. Instead, Reigns ignored Heyman, demanded to see Aldis immediately. So later in the show, Aldis arrived. Reigns sent Heyman out of the room and told Aldis he should be running any matches with bloodline involvement in any way by him since he's the tribal chief. Aldis did not back down. He replied, look, Adam Pierce, he's middle management. I'm the general manager. I'm the sharp end of the stick. Aldis pointed out that Sokoa took out John Cena in an even stronger way than Reigns did. And then he sarcastically said he's looking forward to all the matches he booked happening. So Roman was furious that someone in authority stood up to him. That was a nice twist on what we've seen with Pierce, you know, over the last few years. It also adds a more interesting element to this dynamic on SmackDown because he's not simply getting whatever he wants anymore, which is how it's largely been. Hopefully that results in some stuff like, I don't know, all this forcing Reigns to show up to TV, like <laughs> probably probably forcing the Fatal 4-Way at Royal Rumble if they do the interference finish that I'm talking about, making Reigns fight at Elimination Chamber in Australia, maybe allowing Cody Rhodes into an Elimination Chamber match that would otherwise only be for SmackDown superstars in a couple months. Lots of ways they can go with this. But all this kind of cooked here. It was nice to see an authority stand up to the tribal chief. And let's be honest, it was also kind of surreal to see Roman Reigns and Nick Aldis on screen together. Yeah, no, it really was. And look, Aldis is not far removed from wrestling. He's just a bigger dude. Like he's as big, if not bigger than Roman Reigns, especially when he's got a suit on and everything. So it it works with a visual. It's good to have an authority figure who has authority. So that, that was all set. Um, two things on this that stood out to me. One is minor, but it's something we talk about on this show. Roman Reigns was holding an iPhone 8 Plus. <laughs> that phone is so old. People don't what change phones, it? dog. I mean, what is it with people in the bloodline and not and having these really old phones? It's yeah. wild. I mean, that the battery on that thing cannot be good. The other part, which is not new, but when, when all this said it, it jumped out to me again. Roman Reigns is not an undisputed champion. And we're still just going with it. And it says it on the belt, but we it, have. Let, no, because we got to repeat this again. Belt. You're right that he's not the undisputed champion of WWE. You are a thousand percent correct about that. But he is the undisputed, quote, WWE Universal Champion. He's the undisputed champion of those two titles, which is merged into one. That's why they call him that. I, I just think it's really dumb. <laughs> I don't like it. I, it, it. It's fine. I just, I don't like it. I just wanted to mention it because it popped up again. I hadn't thought about it in a while. It's weird. That's fine. We can move on. Okay. You had nothing. I thought you had two things or was that the second thing? The other was the phone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Styles and Sokoa was the main event one-on-one. Before the match, Mee Chin ran up and hugged Styles backstage. He didn't respond affectionately at all. The Good Brothers then came in asking if everything was good, and Styles was sarcastic and then just walked away from them. So Styles hit the somehow not as phenomenal forearm outside early. Sokoa came back and dominated for a stretch with the pop-up Samoan drop. Sokoa caught a phenomenal forearm inside. Styles then countered a Samoan spike and hit a phenomenal forearm. 
with Solo rolling outside to avoid the cover. Reigns ran in for the attack and the disqualification. Orton ran in. Jimmy ran in. And finally, Knight ran in with jabs like he was Dusty Rhodes. Data. The faces all argued. Styles took the first shot at Knight. Then Orton and LA shoved. And all three of them fought each other with Reigns holding the bloodline back, just letting the challengers tear themselves apart and implode together. The match was nothing to write home about. I don't even think we need to talk about it. Knight looked like an absolute moron here. I could not get this out of my mind. Styles just clotheslined his ass blind last week. Why would he not have taken the opportunity when you're arguing face-to-face? And he already didn't take the opportunity earlier. But when you're arguing face-to-face to give this guy a receipt, instead, Ellie's just standing there kind of like, that Kurt Angle, you know, meme where he's just looking up, you know, and Styles just punches him in the face again. So now it's twice that Styles is just blindsided, not blindsided, but, you know, taking the first shot at least at LA Knight. They could have done the exact same finish to the show with Knight landing the first punch and standing up like a, you know, proud baby face who's not going to take some shit. But you cannot tell me coming out of this, and this is what I was talking about earlier, that they're not going to do the fatal four-way. It seems blatantly obvious that, you know, it's the three bloodline, it's the three baby faces. So they'll have the triple threat, Roman Reigns idea, even though it's stupid because it's never happened in wrestling history, is we're just going to injure all three of these guys. So none of them can challenge for my title. And all just comes back. Ha ha, Roman. Actually, they're all going to now get to challenge for your title. You screwed up. And Roman's, oh my God, I can't believe I, you know, you guys are so stupid to let this happen. That's what's going to happen. I can't, I can't imagine any other scenario. Why yeah. does Roman Reigns have Vince McMahon voice there? Did I do a Vince McMahon voice? I didn't mean to. <laughs> Vince voice, yeah. I didn't mean to. Uh, but I can't see any other scenario. I mean, yeah, I guess like Orton could just win. <laughs> like that is possible, sure. But to me, it's going to be a fatal four-way. They'll probably do a six-man tag on TV leading into, you know, the fatal four-way. And that's what we'll get at Royal Rumble. That is the one it does feel like we're sort of set up. It feels like we're set up to do it before the triple threat, but we're not. And it's the six man. It's the bloodline versus the three of them. Can they coexist? They can't coexist. They lose. Then you do the triple threat. Like that's kind of the general natural order of things. Mm-hmm. I, I I still think it could go either way. I still think you can have a spot where LA Knight has the match won and AJ Styles does something and pulls it away from him. And LA Knight's pissed about that. And or LA Knight, uh, LA Knight's about to win. AJ Styles hits him. Randy throws him out of the ring. Randy pins LA Knight, mm-hmm. you got LA Knight, AJ Styles again. So I like I, I still think there are multiple directions this the way this could go. But like you said, fatal four-way s- setting up uh with, with a six-man tag leading into Royal Rumble. I think that's definitely on the, the table as well. So I, I still think it could go either way. No, that that's fair. I also did want to make uh not a correction so much, but a clarification from last week. Do you remember, or I said last week, earlier this week, do you remember when I was mentioning how solo is no longer barefoot? Yes. So I got a better look at what's going on there. Full analysis, by the way. Chris deals with the pants. I deal with the the foot gear. Um, So he's wearing black boots, which is not abnormal, right? But he has these massive shin guards on. And on, I believe it's his right knee, he also has a huge black brace of some kind, almost like a Steve Austin type of brace. Mm -hmm. So he has the boots, the shin guards, and the brace. That's why it looks like he's like, all the way boxed up, up to his knees in terms of, you know, with gear. And I also noticed, because I was paying attention to it, KO was wearing the exact same shin guards earlier in the show. So it seems like this might be something that's like a new 
medical you know, device. I'm not saying shin guards are new medical devices. Don't come at me. I know soccer exists. Prote- protection equipment. But, but protection equipment for wrestlers that is engineered in a way that they can run and jump and do all the things they need to do with them. But maybe if you have shin splints or maybe if you have foot or ankle or knee problems, it seems like there's a reason they're wearing them. And it's just not for no reason whatsoever. And with Solo, look, it doesn't look as cool, okay, with him not being barefoot. But there's a reason why so few wrestlers go barefoot. It is smart to have some protection. Yeah, and this is better for your feet to wear boots in the first place. So, uh, yeah, I I did notice. I I did take a look at... um, exactly what it was wearing this time around. And uh, yeah, no. Did you have, did you have anything else coming out of, you know, this big overall main event topic that you wanted to discuss before we move on? Uh, Only that they've twice, that they twice on this episode of SmackDown saved LA night for the last did of the three of them. That is true. You know, it was AJ in the ring. Then Randy comes out first. Then LA night comes out first. I guess after the match, it made sense for Randy to make the save instead of LA night making the save first. But, uh, Two straight times, he's the guy making. Wait, the, the third I thought appearance. Orton came out last in the first segment. Uh, oh, you're he right. He did. Yeah, what? he did. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I mixed that up. But but either way, he's getting. But the he did pop. come out. No, no, no. But in the one that mattered, which was the saving, he came out last. Yeah, but uh, that made sense also because he wasn't going to save AJ Styles. Maybe but also true. Either way, also he, true. He yep. is he uh, of the three. Um, he's still getting huge pops. I know this is a tape show. But they chose to give LA Knight a bigger pop. No, you could uh, visually, no, no, no. You could visually see that he got the real largest pop yeah. of the three guys on this show. No question yeah. about that. Like, yeah, they maybe juiced it or whatever, but you could visually see the way the crowd reacted. His music hit, they all stood up and were cheering. LA Knight is the most over of those three guys, which is just wild that it's still that, you know, case. And it also goes to show that him losing to Roman Reigns was not the end of the world like some people thought it would be, just like Sammy losing to him wasn't, just like Cody losing to him wasn't. That said, Chris, we got a ton left from SmackDown, plenty of topics still to discuss on this special WWE edition of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. So let's go ahead and move into our next segment. You know it, you love it. It is the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm sorry, Miss Rosie Perez, I call a spade a spade. It just is what it is. But you can't give credit to anything dude says. Same dude to give you ice and you own some. Jordan. It's time to wake up the dead. You sound a little naive in the articles that I read. I'm realizing we had an opportunity to like go thematic with this. Like we could have done coal or diamonds or, you know presence or coal or something like that. And I don't know, instead of good, bad and ugly, but it's too late now. We're sticking with what got us here. Uh, Bianca Belair, Shotzi, Meechin and Zelina Vega fought damage control in a holiday street fight, 10 woman match. Belair had lights weaved into her braid, which was really cool. Shotzi looked real smooth working with Bailey. There was some Singapore candy cane action. Shotzi drilled Asuka in the back of the head with a kendo stick shot, man. And Whew. Like I, she was okay and she continued wrestling, but I don't know that I would have been okay. Let me just say that. Uh, after commercial, the ring was suddenly filled with stuff and the action was more intense. It felt like they skipped over a key minute or two of action to get us to that point. I know there was a commercial break and things could happen during commercial, but it felt like we should have seen what happened because the crowd, legit, not like piped in, was really into the match. And it was like we missed the good part because we didn't get picture in picture and we didn't get to see it. That was unfortunate. Anyway, uh, Bianca slammed a present box over Eosky's head and Shotzi hit a missile dropkick to her face 
out of an electric chair. Kyrie Sane legit took Shotzi's freaking head off with a trash can lid. The back fist that she does, the spinning back fist. I said this last month during Survivor Series War Games. It is so cool that she has her own unique weapon and that she wields it in that way. Uh, Dakota Kai and Asuka combined for a pumpkin pie and missed into Zelina's face. The Kabuki Warriors then outside the ring opened these really long gifts that were on the ground. They look like coffins, basically. And suddenly, Unholy Union appears out of them. They take out Kyrie with a gory bomb flatliner, and this odd, creepy music played in the background over the live audio. Bailey ate Kiss of Death from Bianca, but Eo caught Bel Air on the landing with Over the Moonsault. Eo then took Eat Defeat from Mia Yim, plus a senton through a table for the one, two, three, with Mi Chin of all people pinning the WWE Women's Champion. I am not sure what shocked me more that this match totally overdelivered, that Unholy Union actually got on TV, or that Meechin beat EO with her finisher and a table spot. I was just saying earlier this week how Unholy Union had stopped being mentioned and how Meechin and Zelina needed to be featured more, and all four had prominent roles here. Look, if I was booking, I'd probably have booked damage control to win. They need wins badly especially when all five of them are involved in one match. They're supposed to be the dominant women's faction here, but they don't win any faction-based matches. However, Unholy Union did make it seven on five, technically, so the faces had an advantage. And my guess was in the moment that Meechin pinning Io would lead to a title match. And it was later announced that we're actually gonna get that on New Year's Revolution. So better that happened in a setting like this, where the pinfall can be excused, then like clean one-on-one in one of those matches that Becky Lynch always criticizes. She beat the champion to be able to beat the champion. That doesn't make any sense. I wouldn't say this was like a spectacular match, but it was a load of fun, Chris, and it was definitely good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, a lot of good spots and all that stuff. I just, I can't get over, we just, Earlier this week, talked about how much we loved Damage Control coming together, stating their purpose. They're going to run roughshod over everybody, Mm -hmm. and who can stop them? Well, later in the week, they just lost a a, a faction match. Like, (laughs) I know. Like, right, like literally right after they got the momentum going together. And this comes not long after they lost at War Games, too. So it's like, Man, like, oh, I'm really hung up on that. I understand what this provided. I understand, hey, Unholy Union going after the tag titles. Me, me Chin going after the title that EO Sky has. Like, oh, like they set that all up. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I see what they were doing. Oh, you could say, hey, it was a seven on five, six on four, whatever. Like, you can excuse it. Like, I, I, like, I see all the things they put up to try to make it not feel like, oh, damage control just lost a faction match, but they did. And I'm just like, oh, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a good for like the execution of what was done. Like I enjoyed it, but man, I'm really bothered by damage control losing literally one week after they like set their mission statement. And they were like, literally a week ago, we got Kevin Patrick. Who is going to stop damage control? That's what he said. (laughs) Well, they've been, they've been stopped yeah. <laughs> a, week, a week later. 
By the way, you were right. I, I got the numbers totally wrong because I was counting Dakota Kai, obviously, which I shouldn't have been. This was four on four. It was an eight woman tag team match, not five on five, not 10. And so therefore, when Unholy Union came up, as you said, it was six on four, not seven on five. So good clarification there. But or I mean, six on five, I guess. Technically. Well, yes, I guess to, to some degree. But I mean, Unholy Union did take out Asuka and Kyrie. So it's not like like people could not save Eo, I don't know what happened to Bailey in the in the finishing. Scene. Oh, she took the um, KOD. So they eliminated all the people that could help her, and the baby faces yeah. were up on her four on one at that moment. Eo. So like it, it, again, the finish was understandable because they wanted to book a title match, and how else are you going to get Meechin qualified to fight Eo? It wouldn't have made any sense. She is, hasn't won any matches, right? So it it made sense to do it that way. But you're right, and it's what I said earlier you just finally reestablished damage control with the best segment that they've done as an entire faction. I mean, obviously they're newly five people. Previously they were three, but maybe the best thing that we've seen from them and then they lose. And it's just like, well, they kind of need to win a little bit. If they're going to be a dominant heel women's faction, they got to dominate and they got to be heels. If you, what they did last week, if you had done that like two or three weeks prior, like right, like a week or two after war games or something, I know the Charlotte injury kind of played a role. In yeah. It that was fluky. It did. But if, if you had done a, just like a couple of weeks of them beating down all these women, definitely. And yep. they come together in this match and they win this match, like, okay, then like you, you, you built it towards something. It just was thrown together. And again, I know they, they put all the parameters and things to, to, to excuse it and set up future matches. It just felt like it happened too quickly. We didn't have a couple of weeks where it looked like damage control was literally just destroying the women's division week after week. You needed just like a little bit of that yeah. NWO and all. It felt to me like they had planned to do that and then decided, you know what? We should put a women's title match on New Year's Revolution. All right, let's just have the faces win and... You know, it's, it's a quick change in booking. And like, that's the way that came across. I hope after New Year's Revolution, first of all, at New Year's Revolution, I hope the damage control comes together and kicks the shit out of Meech in and looks dominant and helps EO and all that. And then after that, I hope they have a run of dominance, hopefully, you know, for a per- significant period of time. I was also thinking, Chris, coming out of this, when is the last time the women did the holiday theme match? Maybe when like, Tony Storm took the pie to the face and never returned to WWE. It seems like it's been a while since they've been in that spot, but it's cool they got this moment and it's cool they delivered something fun. Yes, it, it was fun and um, glad they got that spot. Let's move to the North American Championship. Dragon Lee against Butch. Though he did come out to the Brawling Brutes theme, Butch was in his black and orange gear with the Bruiserweight logo. Commentary said he was having an identity crisis. Butch countered a Liger Bomb into a Tiger Bomb. He also hit a Snapdragon that looked nasty. Dragon soon countered into a Liger Bomb. The shitty Green Bay crowd did not care that they were getting an excellent match. Dragon got his fingers snapped, but still hit an elevated stomp. Butch countered Destino into a pop-up Haymaker, but Dragon countered Bitter End into a Canadian Destroyer. Fans didn't respond at all, even though it was spectacular. Finally, Dragon hit Destino for the win. Brilliant work here. Such a shame that it was in front of this crowd because these two deserved a far better response from some of their sequences. Dragon was the right winner, obviously, but Butch looked great and should be somewhat elevated as a competitor coming out of this. Four stars, A-minus, 
only because the crowd not only failed to add to the match, it actively detracted from the enjoyment because there were hardly any pops for something that was an unabashed banger. This was good. Yeah, it, it was good. Like clearly they put Butch in that 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 SmackDown weekly, hey, have just two guys do an awesome match mm-hmm. segment that Dragon Lee's always in. And, and they did, but I kept thinking, look, Sheamus is out. Don't know when he's coming back. Ridge Holland's down in NXT mm-hmm. to find himself. They're they're kind of repackaging Butch here as a great wrestler, as opposed to the you know the newsy who can't be controlled. <laughs> is, is the newsy? Is this is this the time? Like, do we go back to Pete Dunn? We do. Thing? I mean, we should explain why they explained why he went from Pete Dunn to Butch briefly, like oh, kind of his nickname or whatever. Like, yeah, it, it's it, identity crisis. It, this might be the time to go back. Well, it, fe- it feels like it. And they kind of tease that a little bit because later backstage, Butch put over Dragon for the fight in an interview. Pretty, pretty deadly returned. I know you popped for that. They mocked oh. him for being lonely. So he attacked one on two and he actually won the one-on-two attack before they were separated. Aldis immediately made a tag team match for New Year's Revolution with Butch needing to find a partner. So there's three options for the partner. Dragon, just out of respect, given they just fought. We've seen that a million times in wrestling. A returning Sheamus would obviously make all the sense in the world. Or a debuting Tyler Bate, who should be all wrapped up with NXT. They've been tag team partners before. They could potentially be the bruiserweights, we will find out in two weeks' time, but it seems like this repackaging is happening, and, and certainly as part of that, look, the name Butch, has it grown on me like a little bit? I still think Butch Dunn would have just been perfect. If they didn't want to use yep. his full name, you just yep. use the last name and it's fine. But if you want to call this guy Pete Dunn again, they have set up the opportunity to do it. You bring in Tyler Bate next week. Tyler Bate, Pete Dunn, the Bruiserweights, you're done. You got a match. You got a team. Everything's beautiful. I hope they do it. Will they? We'll find out. Yeah, my thought was Tyler Bate as well. So we'll see. All right. Let's move to the United States Championship number one contendership tournament. Had to point that out again. Uh, Kevin Owens against Carmelo Hayes. That was the first match. Logan Paul in a pre-tape called Owens disgusting again. KO looked like he was ready to play basketball after this match. Melo hit a scissor kick. Owens came back with a draping spike DDT off the top rope. Then he dodged a Melo springboard that he got tagged with earlier. Melo countered a pop-up powerbomb into a code breaker. Owens dodged nothing but net and hit a pop-up powerbomb plus a swanton bomb and a stunner for the win after one false finish. And Melo had a great, looks like a crumpling type of sell on the stunner. Owens hesitated after the bell, but he eventually lifted Hayes up, shook his hand, and Melo did get an ovation visually from the crowd, so that was pretty cool. No shame in the game here for Melo. Took two and a half finishers from a former WWE champion and lost clean. Same comments with the North American title match. I just wish this had a better crowd because it was damn good. 3.5 stars and a B and a worthy tournament semifinal, plus a pretty strong look for Melo on the main roster. Yep, uh, this was good. I didn't I didn't catch if you said this at the beginning, but uh, did you notice the brick wall AR was still there for the intro? I did. Uh, so I wanted to make a correction on that. I said the wrecking ball didn't move in that graphic last week. I was wrong. It technically does move, but it's immensely slow. It doesn't make any like impact on the wall. Again, no. they have the Viking Raiders thing just flying through the screen. So they, they can't make 
this wrecking ball fly through the brick wall. Like, I, I don't get it. The graphic is terrible. I just want WWE to smarten up and get rid of it. This is for crap. It is bull crap. It's so ugly. Yeah, it should be swinging down, bursting through exactly. the Exactly. Like it's hitting the camera yes. and it goes back and forth. It's just an explosion of bricks. And then there's like a ball kind of hanging. And maybe even like break the camera lens. You know what I mean? Or or <laughs> or swing out of screen and then swing back into screen. Like it should look cool. It doesn't look cool. Yeah. Yeah. But um, match was fun. Good. I, I love the moment when um there was like a little takedown kind of into a submission and Kevin Owens just immediately puts his foot on the rope and the ref's checking his shoulders and Kevin Owens is like, no, look, my foot's on the rope, my foot's <laughs> on the rope and the ref has to break it. it Looks like he was just having, just kind of having some fun there with the young guys. So uh, there, there was also uh, a moment in the match where like they had like a sequence and then they just stopped and Owens was like talking to Mello. Like, what are you doing here? Like, I don't, I don't know exactly what he said, but it was, he just started talking to him right in the middle of the match. It was so freaking fun. He's so yeah, good, man. He's great. Uh, He's great, man. It was uh, good stuff. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about the Logan Paul thing after this. Oh, we have some Logan Paul stuff to discuss. I promise you. Uh, Bobby Lashley fought Santos Escobar in the other semifinal. Logan laughed at the idea that either of these guys could beat him. Escobar actually dominated for a bit and took out Lashley's knee, only to get completely flipped off the top rope. Lashley hit a flatliner when a man in a luchador mask hopped the barricade. Santos ate an almighty spinebuster when two guys in luchador masks, the same one from earlier and another, attacked the Street Profits. Lashley got distracted and rolled up in the finish. Then they removed the masks to reveal Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo with Escobar calling them family. And that is exactly what we talked about as a potential move for Santos while combating Rey Mysterio and the LWO. So let me be clear, okay? What they did with Escobar, Garza, and Carrillo was exactly what I wanted. And there's really no harm in Lashley losing via distraction and interference. But the match was quite slow. The finish was extremely low energy. Maybe the crowd played into that by not popping for the attack. But between that and the weak roll-up finish, I do have to give this a light bad. And again, that's despite it being the exact booking that I wanted. Yeah, I didn't honestly didn't have many notes on the on that match just because like not much happened. Like there, there was very little to, to go after. Right. The, the, the I was kind of confused if one person or two people were interfering at the end. I couldn't quite tell. It was a little confusing. But look, if you're I, I kept wondering, like Santos Escobar, or Bobby Lashley, if it's going to be Santos, like he's not going to beat Bobby Lashley straight up. No, so look, no. Yeah, there, there, there's one way for Bobby Lashley to lose. Makes sense. He's basically a face right now. Anyway, you can do, you can set up a six man at some point, you know, with, with the street profits and, and all them. So it made sense, but it is just a little kind of weird that Santos like had a group with him, goes to LWO, kind of brings his uh, legato with him, breaks away from the group and then just immediately gets another tag team to like go with him. Well, legato wouldn't follow him. So, no, I, I, I get it, but it's just like, we got there. Yeah, we could have done someone some, like the LWO like barely exists. Ray's not there. <laughs> Carlito's Legato, not there. Yeah, no one's there. Legato's not there. Selena Vega's still wearing the LWO shirt, but she's the only one who's there. So I keep wondering if it's still even a thing, but it, it's it's fine. I just I really like Santos with Legato. Like, yeah, me too. Like we could have just we could have figured out a way to just do that or something. I, like I, why not just like they should have. I mean, look, Santos, Garza and Carrillo is a stronger trio than Wild and Del Toro. It just is. But 
Those three together, they have history. Zelina worked well with them. And the idea that they could have broken away from LWO and then Garza and Carrillo could have linked up with Ray would have made just as much sense, except it would have been an established faction returning in Legado del Fantasma and LWO reforming, which would have made sense when LWO is the one that's not on TV right now. And, and I, I say, I do think Garza and Alberto are better heels. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that, that does fit as well. So, so I, I'm giving this I'm giving this a, a bad. OK, so you're with me on that. You know how sometimes like wrestlers get hidden in the crowd and then we see them pop into the screen like we did here, you know? So I always love the idea that fans are sitting next to them the entire time and maybe they recognize them. Maybe they don't. Maybe they talk them up a little bit, whatever. Funny enough, our listener, Patty, who I mentioned last week, he was literally sitting right next to Angel Garza in the crowd. <laughs> I got to call you out, though, Patty. He didn't know whether it was Angel or Umberto. Anyway, so he literally sends me a DM of a picture of him holding a beer and Angel Garza in the mask. And he's like, I don't know which one it is. I'm like, it's Angel. It's, like, you can just tell it's him, right? But it was so cool that he had that seat right next to him in the crowd. They got to interact. He told me that Garza was like, yeah, it's Angel. Don't tell anyone, you know, like under his breath. This is a fun <laughs> note. We had a listener right next to the surprise attack from the crowd. So that was just pretty cool. Uh, I wanted to mention that. So that you, cool. you mentioned Logan Paul. So Logan Paul later cut a whole promo with video highlights on KO and Santos being the final challengers in the tournament, saying Owens doesn't take his shirt off in the pool and he looked like if Reddit was a person. And I will say the, that's a really good line, the second part of that, okay? But he did it in a completely produced segment in which he had full background and looked like it was backstage at a show. This is a massive, massive logic flaw, like enormous. If they told us the show was taped, then you could get away with it. But they didn't. They didn't promote it as taped or last week in Green Bay or anything like that. I have no idea how someone didn't catch this. Logan's been home this entire time talking shit from his cell phone. We're supposed to believe that ahead of each of these matches, WWE's calling him on Zoom or something and being like, yo, tell us what you think about these two guys. And he's like, Owens is out of shape. And this guy can't beat me. Like, and then they send that in and that's what they play before. How could he have taped and where the hell would he have taped with a high quality camera just 10 minutes after the match happened, this promo segment for TV? This was even worse almost than those AEW back and forth tape promos where they know what the other one is saying. I, I don't get how this got on TV. It didn't make a shred of sense to me. And Chris, I don't like it. I don't like that. Yeah, I, I was hoping you were going to catch this because not only was it him cutting a produced promo 10 minutes after the match, he also did the cell phone video before the right before the match. He did two different promos, two completely different filming styles. Exactly. <laughs> like how before the match, oh, hey, he sent in this video he recorded about this match before it happened. Sure. So why, it, if anything, it should have been another cell phone video at least reacting exactly. to what he saw on tv yes if you want to if you want to, we know it's not this one's not a live show but if you want to pretend that it's a live environment exactly that's why i made that's why it made no sense to do the heavily produced one second on the same show like 20 minutes apart that i that blew my mind like i was like this is a major major logic flaw that yeah. usually does not get through on wwe no like, no it's a holiday show it's a tape show like I'm just that was very notable. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. 
know no it just really stuck out to us who pay attention to stuff like that i, I don't feel it's logic. a nitpick though when it's that big of a logic error yeah you know it's sometimes we nitpick and like i accept if someone says hey you know you guys are just nitpicking like that was totally fine cool this was not i mean it was a, a huge issue i just got to call it out like it is lastly from smackdown carrying cross got another video package explaining how he's responsible for changes in Drew McIntyre, Rey Mysterio, and Shinsuke Nakamura. He said, even the greatest proclamation can be forgotten without a scribe, without authors. Then we saw the authors of pain flash on the screen twice, once standing behind Cross, once standing with Paul Ellering between them, and they were in shadow, so you couldn't see their face, but it was extremely clear who it was. Then we saw a message, you cannot hide. Okay, so we gave this on Tuesday, the last WWE show, a provisional good, both of us. But this cooked, and it looks like we have another faction coming to SmackDown, which you know pops me. Cross's point about McIntyre, Mysterio, and Nakamura in kayfabe, 100% factual. All three of them turned and changed. Not Mysterio didn't turn, but he changed after interacting with Cross. I'm glad yeah. they referred back to that. Then you have AOP, which has been signed but unused for nearly a year at this point. And while they're not necessarily great wrestlers, they look incredible as heavies, and they definitely have a place in wrestling and in WWE. How they're going to work with Cross, that remains to be seen. But this is a total 90s faction feel with two managers, Ellering and Scarlett, two heavies, possibly the tag team, and then the star, who's probably going to go after like mid-card titles. It's possible, Chris. There's not going to be one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six factions on SmackDown alone come 2024. This bloodline damage control, LWO, Escobar's crew, if they add one person, Lashley's crew, if they add one person, which it seems like they're going to. We used to have zero factions on the entire main roster. Now we're talking about six on one brand. I am the game, JR. There is nobody that eats, sleeps, or breathes this business more than me. And he may be the only person who loves factions even more than I do. This was a definite good. It was great, man. I loved what they did last week. You want to you call back to the first thing Curry and Cross did upon returning and kind of tell me to ignore everything that happened afterward? Fine. All right. You, you want to tell me this is all part of the plan? All right. I, I, I'm on board. You follow that up this week with showing, hey, these things that happened, it's actually because of me. Totally believable mm -hmm. in kayfabe. And then you like you got three, you're going to have three meaty men in a faction like this with two managers. Like Scarlett and Paul Ellering together just on its own could be a lot of fun. I am. <laughs> All I am all aboard on on this. I think it's great. I am looking forward to what comes next. I have no idea what they're going to do. Right. I do think this is yet another reason you got to split up those tag team championships, so you have some tag teams on Raw that can go after something. Um, I'm I'm not sure if or when Cross gets in a U.S. title situation. Maybe he doesn't have to. But I'm really interested in what they do next. So this was really good. There's a lot of beef out here. There's two situations that I can reply to based on what you just said. One, Cross, United States Championship, post-WrestleMania. LA Knight wins the title at WrestleMania. Cross becomes his first challenger. Done. Super easy, right? Other thing, tag team titles. And I actually wrote a note to discuss this, so I'm so glad that you brought it up. It seems like they're creating a lot of trios. 
you have Bobby Lashley in the Street Profits, right? You now have Santos Escobar, yeah. Angel, and Umberto. You have trios over on Raw, American Alpha, uh, or Alpha Academy, sorry. <laughs> Messed that one up. Um, and others. I mean, I can keep going. Obviously, you can do the Bloodline, even though they would never do a trio together, but so on and so forth. There's plenty of trios in the company and others that you can create. Which would you prefer? The tag team championships being split up, one exclusive to Raw, one exclusive to SmackDown, or the tag team championships being merged, made undis- truly undisputed, only being one tag team title that works across both brands, and then introducing a trios title that also works across both brands. So in any given time, you probably have a trios feud and storyline going on on SmackDown, a tag team feud and storyline going on on Raw. And then if you ever want to switch it up, you literally just flip it. You get some fresh people and fresh matches on the different brands, and then you can always switch back and forth and do whatever you want. Which would you prefer? Two sets of tag team titles that are exclusive or a trios title and a regular tag team title that go across brand? Trios titles just feel too gimmicky to me. Mm-hmm. It just it's it's like a step too far from feeling legitimate. Maybe that's because I'd only ever seen them in lesser or lower wrestling promotions. Mm-hmm. We saw AEW add trios titles and then like immediately didn't know what to do with them. Still don't. And they yeah. and they still don't. And they're just like extra belts. People like you don't have to know wrestling to know what tag team means you know right right it's very simple thing to grasp trios titles feel like it's just a step too gimmicky for me i would rather have two sets of tag team championships a wwe tag team champions and a world tag team champions Mm -hmm. just like you're doing with the women's belts Mm -hmm. I, i think that makes the most sense but you're right they are building up a lot of trios and that if they it feels like very possible that is what they're doing I just personally am not a big fan of trios belts. See, I'm totally of a mixed mind because I actually completely agree with you. I think trios are convoluted and having a trios championship is almost even more convoluted than that. Like it's not, I say this all the time, right? Groups and trios are inferior to factions and stables. They just are. And you're not going to do a stable championship. There's no, I don't even... I assume there's no such thing as that. I'm sure there's a promotion that has one where someone's going to reply to us in a Twitter. Oh, you don't know that AIW has a, you know, eight man <laughs> title or something like that. Like, I, I don't know, you know, but, but what I'll say is that I agree with you that trios titles are gimmicky. The interest I have in them is that we've never seen them in WWE. And mm. I'm just kind of curious, like with Triple H holding the book, could they actually work? Because I don't care about the ROH ones, never have. The AEW ones, they, they've had really good matches with them, especially when House of Black had them, but they've never made me care about them. New Japan has a six-man title. I've never really cared about it, even when I was watching New Japan religiously. And it's like with WWE, I, I think they'd only be as good or interesting as their champions and as those matches are. But with the number of factions that are being built, with a couple of trios or or groups that are not yet built out into factions and with a ton of tag teams now on both brands that could easily just add one person and become a contender in the trios division. It just kind of feels like they might be headed in that direction. I also do like the idea of individual titles across both shows just to freshen up the stuff that we see on a week to week basis. Like it's just so exciting when a team that or a group or whatever that is not usually on one show goes on the other show, but with reason, yeah. 
but but there's a reason why they're over there, right? Like there's the brand split and you want to abide by that. So what's the best way to get around the brand split? To have titles that work across both shows. That's why the women's tag team championships really should work, but really don't usually. They're usually stuck on one show. And it seems like they're starting to open that up right now with the Kabuki Warriors and Unholy Union, which is good. So I'm of a mixed mind. I kind of want to like break my own rules. I gave you two options. I kind of want to introduce a third option. No trios titles, one set of tag team titles that go across both shows. Like I, I kind of just well, want to go to that and be as simple as we've possible. Already, well, we, we've already got it. I mean, I guess we already have just that. Say keep, yeah. keep it as, as is. But it's just, you think about SmackDown right now, you have a world champion who's barely ever there, a right. US champion who's barely ever there, and the tag team champions are not on the show. Right. Like it's just, there's not a lot of, stakes there's right not now yeah you're right smackdown that's why randy orton and 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 aj and aj styles coming back was a much needed boost of star power and look they're all gonna fight to face roman reigns that's something but everywhere else it's just like yeah there's we need we need we need to be chasing some more things i also assume that royal rumble let's say the two weeks before royal rumble through wrestlemania i would assume logan paul is going to be on smackdown 75% of the time, or at least 66% yeah, of the time. Yeah. That's the assumption I, I would make. All right, folks, that was the good, the bad, and the ugly. Before we get to the last word today, we're going to give you a quick preview of WWE Day One, the special edition of the next live Monday Night Raw on January 1st. Now, I accidentally, on our show earlier this week, said there were five matches booked for this show. There's actually only four. So we're going to discuss those four, and then we'll go ahead and talk about the fifth, which is not booked, but might be. Maybe they make a surprise announcement next week. I would not be surprised if they do something like that. End of the week, add another big match to the show. Four matches on the show right now. We'll go one by one. Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark against Tegan Knox and Natalia. It is not a number one contendership for the Women's Tag Team Championships, but it's a number one contendership for the Women's Tag Team Championships. I don't want to see, like, I'm happy that Tegan's back and I'm happy that she's wrestling. I don't want to see Tegan and Natalia in another match. It would be far more impressive for Caden Carter and Katana Chance to get a win over Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark. That would actually be meaningful as opposed to Tegan and Natalia. So not only do I think that Shayna and Zoe should win, I believe they will win and wind up, you know, getting that title match. Yeah, I think I'm with you as well. I think I look at both these teams as which one, you know, will lose to the KCs. Mm -hmm. And if if you want to give them a legitimate win, that's that's a way to do it. And if you do that, are you breaking up Shayna and Zoe again? I guess. I mean, they're not that close, but they they've kind of had their own little thing. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say same thing. Shayna and Zoe Stark. Yeah, it's just like Tegan and Natalia. I've already had so many chances. They just don't deserve anymore. That's the way I look yeah. at it. And even if they won this, it's like, oh, so they barely beat them and then they get another title match right away. I want something fresh. And the KC's and Shane and Zoe are much fresher as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Women's World Championship, maybe the easiest prediction in the history of everything. Rhea Ripley against Ivy Nile. I am thrilled that Ivy is getting a, a TV singles match against Rhea. They made this into a Women's World Championship match last week on Raw this past Monday. For no reason, really. It doesn't need to be a title match. It shouldn't be a title match. Ivy has done absolutely nothing to deserve a title match. Rhea's going to win. I do hope, though, that Ivy gets to look good here because she's super strong. She's diminutive. It's a, it's a totally different look. She's like a bulldog in there. And her and Rhea working together, 
it just could be something really special if they let this go five or six minutes and give Ivy like 90 seconds of offense. I would love to see it. Ripley's going to win. She's going to retain the title. I just hope it's not a squash. I'm trying to think what matches Ivy Nile has even had. I, she has not had a singles match. No, she was in, I in think, up. one multi-person match on the She main was roster. in a tag. She tagged with, um, uh, what's her name? In, uh, Maxine Alpha, Dupree. In yeah, Maxine Dupree. And they lost, I think. They did um, lose, so but yeah. they, they did lose, but they were like, I don't want to say impressive, but they had some really fun moments in that. They did. In that tag that was a good match. match. They, yeah, it they was. were good together. Yeah. yeah. I, I have long said that the Ivy Nile they had in NXT, like that was the way they should book Ronda Rousey. Yes. Like totally looked tough, badass, not smiling and waving as they cover the ring. And so I love the, just the presentation of Ivy Nile. Give her a moment where she gets Rhea, Rhea who looks like twice her size, get Rhea up in a, in a scoop slam, just like something. Do, do one fireman's do carry thing. type of move. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Pick her up, carry her out like that. That's the purpose of this match to highlight that Ivy Nile has some ridiculous strength. Mm-hmm. You can see it on her um, and just show us a couple of those. Presumably she'll be able to get up for those moves that Maxine couldn't get against Rhea and, um, and Rhea's going to win. You give Ivy a couple of those moments and I'll tell you what's going to happen. He got over. She'll get over. Like the crowd will go crazy for her lifting Rhea and slamming her and doing this and doing that. You just give her two or three of them. And that's all you need. The crowd will pop undoubtedly. Let's go to the other women's match. The third women's match, by the way, promoted on the show. I did forget to mention that there's four matches we're previewing. Three of them are women's matches that they're promoting for this special edition. That tells you all you need to know about the direction of the WWE women's division, which we've been praising as of late. Becky Lynch against Nia Jax in Nia's hometown of San Diego, California, we should mention. Um, Look, is there a scenario in which you have Nia win because maybe she cheats or does something or punches Becky and Becky like worries about the face and Nia rolls her up and then you do a rematch in two weeks ahead of Royal Rumble? Yeah, you know, you could do something like that. I think this is a situation where you are trying to make Becky Lynch look immensely strong for Rhea Ripley. She should be going into that match stronger than she's been as a babyface since she was the man at WrestleMania 35, coming out of that as the undisputed champion. So that's what needs to happen here. I'm not saying she should dominate Nia, but this should be a clean win over Nia Jax. Hopefully it's a good match. And this is how you start truly reestablishing Becky. I know she beat Trish Stratus. I know she had the NXT women's title, but now it's the road to WrestleMania. And now she needs to string together wins on television and become a true threat to Rhea Ripley. It starts here. Becky wins. Yep. Uh, Becky as well. I Like you said, possibility that Nia cheats in some way and gets it, gets Becky gets the win in a couple weeks, but they're building up day one to feel like a pay-per-view. They've really built up this match extremely well mm-hmm. this is the best women's storyline going and both becky and i have both held their own and contributed to that i am looking forward to this match i am really excited for this match. me too that's a credit to everybody involved for the for the path that they took to get here and so i think you give it the big finish we're all expecting which is becky gets that win shows that uh you know she is better than ijax gets gets you know gets her back for the broken nose all those years ago and moves forward from there to presumably the Royal Rumble. I don't know if we 
think she'll win it or not. We'll figure that out when it gets closer. But uh, we all think we're doing Becky Rhea at, uh, I guess, Elimination Chamber maybe or or WrestleMania. So we'll see. But oh, I think you're right. This this is the step. This is the first step for Becky. Done with the NXT stuff. This is getting back in. You win this match. You set your sights on the World Championship. My expectation, just since you mentioned it, is going to be a women's world. I was trying to think which titles on Raw. Women's World Championship Elimination Chamber match. And I think what's going to happen is that like Becky's going to take finishers from other women and Rhea's going to pin her and they will actually have a one-on-one match at WrestleMania. I don't think Becky's going to win the Royal Rumble. I think that will be a SmackDown woman to go up against Io Sky. That's just my early prediction as of right now. I just don't see a reason why Becky needs to win another Royal Rumble, even though it'd be totally fine for her to win that's just not my expectation. So that's I, I do good. I do wonder though if we think we're getting Seth CM Punk to main event one night of WrestleMania, if we were in, if we thought we were going to do Rhea Becky, mm-hmm. do we instead do a Rhea Becky one-on-one match to main event Elimination Chamber in Australia? In Australia. You know, like that is the Sami Zayn Yeah, moment, it is, you know. So it's, but I think her, I think that's why I'm saying, I think her winning an elimination chamber match over Becky, over all, all these other women in Australia, I think that's just as big. Uh, that's your main maybe. event. Yeah, but elimination chamber matches are, can be kind of clunky, especially doing that in a stadium is going to be really Dude, weird. Dude, some of match. these, some of these women's matches, elimination chamber, um, we just saw it with the uh, war games, uh, Iron Survivor Challenge over in NXT. They book these immensely well. And Rhea Ripley in an elimination chamber match with her title on the line, that is a main event match at yeah, that show. I'm, just, I'm picturing, look, Rhea Ripley on the turnbuckle, like doing her big entrance, looking out to the crowd. Like there's a cage. Like, you do that, but you can't do it in a cage. Yeah, know? there's like, a cage there. Yeah. You kind of you kind of don't get those that 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 imagery that you're going for, so right? I don't know. I don't I don't know what the plans are. You make you make has- a good point about the imagery of it. You do. I, it's going to be interesting to see if that prevents them from doing it, or what their actual plan is. I'm very curious that you make a really good point about that. Let's go to the final match that's being promoted for WWE Day One World Heavyweight Championship: Seth Rollins against Drew McIntyre. Uh, Chris, I'm of two minds here. I, I actually do believe. I've come around to this mindset that Drew is going to walk into WrestleMania as the world heavyweight champion. I I do think that's going to happen. The question is when, and there's two options. One is day one and the other is potentially at the Royal Rumble. I, I would normally predict him to win it on this show because there is not going to be Monday night football competition. However, as we already mentioned on the show, there will be college football playoff competition. And I don't think, even though they did it previously, it was under Vince McMahon, they had Big E promote that he was going to cash in the Money in the Bank contract and then cash it in and win the title head-to-head against Monday Night Football. I really don't think you end the first World Heavyweight Championship title reign of the reintroduced you know, championship and have Rollins drop it in front of what undoubtedly will be a reduced audience going head-to-head with college football. I think... That is way too big of a moment to just do on free television against massive competition. I think at this point, you save it for the Royal Rumble. So again, I do think McIntyre will be the world heavyweight champion. As of right now, though, I'm going to predict Rollins to come out of this show with the title. And it's going to have to be in a way that 
leaves a door open for McIntyre to get another match. Maybe it's like a DQ for McIntyre where he gets caught doing something illegal outside, absolutely brutalizes Rollins, and it gets them to that rematch at Royal Rumble. Because I'm going to tell you straight up, I don't think CM Punk should win the Royal Rumble. I don't think it makes any sense for him to do it unless Rollins is champion. And based on this booking, what I'm giving you right now, you don't need Punk to win the Royal Rumble. He can be in it, he can lose, and then they can create a storyline-driven feud with him and Rollins for WrestleMania. We already saw it on television. They are gonna be fighting, or they should be fighting, for who's the best in the world, who's the leader of the company. They should not be fighting for the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, yes, I agree on that. Punk Rollins should not have a title. Do not want it to have a title. I think Drew McIntyre is winning the title here, though. He's already lost to Seth once. Mm -hmm. He can't lose again. He had an incredible emotional promo that we got earlier this week. And I know it will have been two weeks since he did it, but they're going to have an incredible video package for this match leading into it. I, I, I know they are. And... The last time, the only other time WWE did day one, Brock Lesnar beat Big E and took the title from him Mm -hmm. and beat some other people. And Roman Reigns had COVID and Seth Rollins was involved. Things changed. But the other time they had day one, there was a title change. I think they're going to do a title change here. And Drew McIntyre is going to win it. He's going to. He's going to be able to come out the next week, give his heelish promo about having the belt now that he can finally talk to fans as a champion. It's been a really good story to get here. This is the time to make the change. And it's right then because CM Punk's just kind of floating out there. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's back. We're excited about him, but he can't really do anything until this Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins thing is over. And I think it's going to end there at day one. And we move forward from there. And Drew McIntyre takes that belt into um, into WrestleMania. You're right. I don't think CM Punk wins the Royal Rumble because Seth Rollins isn't going to have the belt. So he's not going to need to. Mm-hmm. I'm also not sure if you do Cody Rhodes two Royal Rumbles in a row, which means I don't think he I don't think he should win it either. Do you want me to tell you who I think should win the Royal Rumble? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what you're about to say. You know who I'm going to say. It's Sammy Zayn. It's Sammy freaking Zayn. Yeah. And then Sammy Zayn is going to have the option. Do I go after Roman Reigns and all the all the history that we have? Yep. Or do I McIntyre? Who's been who's been all over me for for the last couple of months? In a reason, they're going to have to do a good job of convincing us that Sammy should pick Drew instead of Roman yeah. because you know there's a lot of heat to that. But is. that that is what I think is going to happen. That's several steps down the road. But I think it comes here with Drew McIntyre winning the world title, winning a championship in front of the fans that he wasn't able to do before. And he finally got back to this moment by doing any means necessary. He's going to cheat in this match. He's going to do something heelish. He's going to win. And and he will because he couldn't afford not to. Right. With everything he's he's had with his his family and all these other things, he is at his last end here mm-hmm. to do whatever it takes, and he's going to do it, and he's going to win the belt. What you're saying makes 100 percent sense. It's exactly what I believe should happen. Except Raw's going up against the college football playoff. Do you not think that's a significant hindrance to them changing the title? No, the last day one, it wasn't the it wasn't the semifinals, but it went up against the Rose Bowl last time anyway. Like it all. Well, it, day it, one. Hold on. The, the only other time they've done day one was a pay per view, premium yes, live event. It was, yeah, and it was on. It was January first, twenty twenty two, and it right. was the day at the, the semifinals were the thirty first, the right. day before. But exactly. it's still because it's January first. There was a Rose Bowl the next day. Yeah, but the Rose Bowl is five p.m. Eastern though. Yeah, but that goes into what you're getting into, and then you have a Sugar Bowl after. I I don't think. 
no, I, I don't think that's going to be a hindrance. Otherwise, why are you even building up a big show? Why are you not just doing to a compete. regular episode of Raw? To compete, if to get ratings. If, if you're scared of football, then don't do a big show. No, see, you know, uh, no, I, I think they're competing to keep their rating high against football. But but there's a difference between doing that and changing a title with a limited audience. I mean, this show, it's again, it's the really? semifinals. This might get like 1.4 million, it's possible, you know, when it comes. And they want as many people seeing a title change as possible, not as few. If they wait one week, I don't believe there's a Monday night NFL playoff game the next week. So I think if they wait one, if they were to have waited one week, then they could have changed the title theoretically without any of that. Or they can literally just do a rematch at the Royal Rumble. Uh, you said you said Drew's going to need to do whatever it takes to win, right? Don't hold anything back. Cheat, you know, lie, steal, whatever. So he gets caught doing that and then figures out a way to get a rematch, beats the shit out of wrongs, you know, lays it, him out. He's gone for a week. He comes back. He's angry. He gives him another title match. There's I a, just, there's I a stipulation. There's a stipulation on that title match. You know, Go ahead. you're right. And Drew, Drew versus Seth at Royal Rumble would be big and would not cause you to need four months of time to work on Seth Rollins CM Punk. Exactly. I just, I just can't take Drew McIntyre seriously if he loses twice. To Rollins to get a third title shot. That's tough. I mean, that's happened plenty. Again, it's, it all depends on the way he loses, like how that is booked. It would need to make sense. And yeah, it would have you're to be just, a cheating. You're not going to have, you're not going to have me more interested in it than I am right now. That's the thing. They just, I agree. They had such a perfect promo. I agree. Segment. That, that promo on Monday night was as perfect a promo as a heel could cut ahead of a match where he's, you know, challenging for the title and should should win it coming out of Finn, that. Finn lost twice to Seth. He didn't get a third. If Drew McIntyre loses two, I don't think he should get a third. But Finn lost both those clean. We're talking about him losing not clean or or getting disqualified uh, I, is, or, or something happening. That would be an incredible letdown. If you build up a title match for Raw and end it with something for a special show and you end it with a DQ or something like that. <laughs> Imagine man, if they do like a double count out or something like that. Or what yeah. if Rollins gets DQ'd where he's just like, screw it. He takes a chair. He smashes him over the back with it. I'm going to be incredibly annoyed and we're going to side with <laughs> Drew McIntyre. After that. Of course, we're going to side with Drew McIntyre. We, we, we've sided with all of but, Rollins' well, opponents. We Hold on. We, well, si we sided with Balor. We sided yeah. with Nakamura. And now we're siding with McIntyre. We sided a little bit less with Nakamura, but Balor and McIntyre, we were on board with their storylines. Their heel storylines were legit coming in where we said, mm -hmm. really, the heel should be winning this. Yeah. And that's what I'm I'm, I'm saying here. I just, I, I don't, I, I look, I'm going to be watching football. We're I'm like, we're, we both have jobs to do. We're going to be watching both things at the same time. But I mean, I don't think I can watch man. Raw live. You can you watch it live in the second screen? Yeah, yeah, I, I got my. I guess football's slow enough. Football's slow enough where we should be able to get it on the second. I, screen. I can't. I can't not watch it live. It's going to be on my timeline. <laughs> I'm going to miss it. Like, you're right. I, I you're right. That's the problem. So, That's the problem with live TV. You're right. Yeah, we're going to watch it live. Look, it's it's not impossible. Your your scenario is not impossible. Yeah. I just yours really isn't either. I, I don't. I I, I, I came in. I came into this show today. With it in my mind, McIntyre is going to win. I was going to make the same prediction that you were. I just wanted the, the element of the college football playoff for me. I think they have to take that into account. That's the only thing preventing me from making that pick. I agree. If like it didn't have that competition, then 1000%, hundred times out of a hundred, I guess that would be thousand times out of a thousand. You do it. But again, uh, we'll see. We'll see if the playoff interferes, if they rematch it, if, or if you're just straight up right and they actually do the title change. 
I mean, dude, it's built in. Sammy McIntyre, Rollins, Punk, Reigns, Cody. It's it's just there. Those are three enormous matches. Sammy gets his moment. Drew gets his moment coming in as champion in front of a huge crowd. I mean, it's all just right there laid out, and I hope they execute it. Speaking of Cody, the match that we're not discussing, we're not going to technically, I guess, predict, is Cody Rhodes, Shinsuke Nakamura, which it really seemed to me like they were going to build it up for this show. They have not announced it. It is very possible that like two, three days before day one, WWE says huge match added to the show or even the day of huge match added to the show. Cody Rhodes, Shinsuke Nakamura. I don't think it makes sense for them to fight at Royal Rumble. It would not be the first time that you have a singles match and then both competitors from that match wind up in the Royal Rumble itself. But I think Cody Cody announced that he's going to be in the Royal Rumble. So if that's the case, then this match really should be on TV. Maybe they're saving it for the first Raw without football competition, and that's why it's not on here, that would make sense. Well, also, um, the, the the clip show Raw is being hosted in part by Peter Rosenberg, and Rosenberg has said Cody's going to be on that show, like interview or something. Mm. So it's possible they will book that match on this coming Monday. I could see that. In which case, do we want to make a quick prediction? I think I'd say. Well, yeah, Cody has to win. I mean, he just has to. Yeah. Because you're not going to do a third television match and you're not going to have them fight at Royal Rumble. So then Cody would have to win. Yes. Right. I agree. All right. That was your WWE Day One preview. And Chris, that went way longer than I expected. I thought it was going to be like a five minute segment where it's going to give some quick winners, but we got into a really good discussion there. I'm glad we had it. It's also a good way to wrap up WWE in 2023, because as mentioned, this will be the last WWE show of the year, barring some crazy breaking news, which let's be candid. We can't put it past them at this point because shit has happened consistently when we think we're done for a period of time. Uh, But we're not done with today's show because we still have the last word. So DJ, take the needle and just drop it on the record. What? We gon' have a sp- poppin' in a second. That's why we always say the best cut last to make you scratch and mix for it like fresh cut grass. Uh, Nicholas Mollis, I believe, uh, Buckeye Nick Seven on Twitter wrote in, and he he sent this in a while ago. It just was appropriate given all the title talk on today's show. Do you think that there should have been a women's mid card title instead of the tag team titles? I don't think we need to spend too long on this. I think creating a tag team division was the appropriate move. When you have a women's mid-card title, especially when you already have two world titles, it's just kind of tough to separate that mid-card champion from the other champions. With the men, it's so firmly established what the Intercontinental Championship is, what the United States Championship is, and how the other ones were fully above them as world titles. And I think, I don't know that it would have been necessary or really that beneficial to have the mid-card title. Now, we're finally getting to see what is possible. We're getting the a sprinkle of it with the women's tag team titles. We saw it with the Kabuki Warriors and the Golden Role Models previously. And right now, they're just getting back into that where they're actually creating teams and you're actually interested in some of them and they're giving them story time, both in title feuds and non-title feuds. So ultimately, Nicholas, I think creating the women's tag team titles was the correct move. For a period of probably two years, had they been 
you know, pushed out of TV or pushed off TV and a women's mid card title been introduced, I think that probably would have been appropriate based on the way WWE was booking the shows. But now we're talking end of 2023, going into 2024. I am glad the tag team titles are there. And I'm hopeful that they continue to be booked better into being booked well. Yeah, no, it was a good decision to have them. Things have been weird, but it's kind of weird to think about not having them just because there are a lot of women and a lot of women tag teams that they put together. I think an issue with having a women's mid-card title is that there are so many stars Mm -hmm. in the women's division, like real stars. They are deep that it that it always feels like it revolves around them anyway, with or without a title. Becky versus Nia doesn't need a mid-card title with it. Becky and Trish didn't need a mid-card title with it. Like, you know, like even even Shayna Ronda for a minute there, you know, like Mm -hmm. as long as you're telling good stories, that is more important than having an individual belt. And the problem for so long with the women's division was if it didn't involve the world title, it didn't matter, Mm -hmm. you know, or just they weren't even trying. Basically, every single women's story had to revolve around the title. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen over the last year with Triple H in charge, they can tell stories without a belt, in which case I don't think they need uh, I don't think they need a mid card women's belt um, at the moment. If anything, like I'm trying to would I prefer two sets of tag team belts? Oh, God, most of that. No, probably not. (laughs) I don't I don't like. Again, it it ultimately comes down to stories, not belts. AEW has way too many belts. I don't want to throw another belt into the women's division because I think things are actually going pretty well. Let me clarify the question. The the question was one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. You're right. Right. I I, I would prefer tag team for what I said because I feel like just, again, natural casual people know what a tag team championship is like it's just it's it, it's kind of wild to me that we went so long without women's tag team it it is uh, wild and it also creates variety too like match yeah. type variety i want to see you know uh, triple threat tag team matches i want to see two on two women's matches i don't want everything to just be women's singles matches or they do tag teams when it's a can they coexist situation i'd like to yeah. see women that work together just like the men can work together and a, a, the original concept of these titles which, you know, Triple H has done a little bit of, but they're still not using to its fullest potential, is for them to rotate across all three brands. And I've said this from the beginning, if they had kept that original intention and actually put that into action post-pandemic, because they did do it a little bit during the pandemic, but post-pandemic, then I think the titles would have really caught on and it wouldn't have been a force-feeding situation where WWE, oh my God, we got to figure out what to do with these titles. I think it would have been a situation where they actively were making good storylines for them, but they just kept getting stuck on one show or another, which meant all the women on the other show had absolutely nothing to do because the way Vince McMahon booked was, like you just said earlier, if it's not about the world title for the women, it doesn't really matter as much. We're seeing massive booking improvement for the entire women's division, Raw and SmackDown from Triple H. NXT's pretty much always been good, but it's also getting better down there. What we now need is for that booking of the women's tag team titles to go across brands. And it seems like based on what's happened the last two weeks, we're starting to get it. We have the Kabuki Warriors who have made claim. We are going after these titles. We want to win them. And I do believe they will be the champions going into WrestleMania. Now you have Unholy Union, which is at least a feud for them. And what did we just talk about earlier? We have 
three or four women's tag, sorry, we have two women's tag teams basically vying for a number one contendership to go after the champions. And there's like two other women's tag teams on that brand. So let me do a quick, that's like seven women's tag teams right now on the main roster. That's probably the most ever. And that's a huge positive. Agree. All right, folks, that wraps up this special edition of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. On the way out, let me hit you with a schedule reminder first, and then we'll go through everything else. We will be back on Tuesday with your 2023 year in review, another special edition of the show. You do not want to miss it. One of our favorite shows to do every year, and in 2022, one of our most critically acclaimed. That comes in Tuesday in our normal WWE episode slot. On Thursday, we'll be talking AEW World's End from an ultimate preview standpoint. And if anything happens on NXT, we will cover it there. We'll also touch on any additional news items that go on in the world of wrestling on Thursday's show. And then Saturday, the last episode of 2023, AEW World's End Instant Analysis. And Tuesday, January 1st, we will have your next WWE episode covering the results of day one and certainly much more. So that is what is coming up here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. Let me tell you what else you need to know about the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. We would absolutely love it if you remembered this show. is all about Defy. So please head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave some five-star ratings on Apple. Take a little extra time. Leave a five-star written review. If you do, we will read it live right here on the show. Please also remember to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast for episode drops, news, analysis, highlights, all of that good stuff. You can also tweet and DM us questions and comments for the show like the ones we mentioned today. Again, all of that on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Don't forget, I happen to love the number five. And I hope you do as well because for $5 a month or 50 for the entire year, you can become an official Getting Overhead. Just visit buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. Sign up. You get bonus audio. You get exclusive news posts and more. Buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. As mentioned earlier, the 2023 Getting Over Awards, a.k.a. The Meaties, are coming up soon and nominations are available on our Twitter account at Getting Overcast. So please contribute to those. Look out for the ballot coming next week. And by the way, the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast has been nominated for Best Wrestling Podcast in the Sports Podcast Awards. So please Google that or you can find the link in our Twitter feed. Make sure you vote for the show. We would both greatly appreciate it. I hope all of you, we hope all of you, have a fantastic holiday weekend and to get the entire week even better. For Vintage Christmas Eve, this is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Signing off and leaving you with just three final words. Bye for now.